The hardest thing in your life may be the door that opens to your most significant ministry. Always have your eyes open to that. Good person will do good wherever he or she is. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. And today, Colin, we may have someone listening who is going through an incredibly hard time, maybe a marriage breakdown or the death of a loved one. How do you tune in to the good that can come out of that? Well, one way is just to see how God constantly does this. I mean, I think of a a guy called uh, Robert, who came from one of the most dysfunctional uh, families that I have ever known, ended up, by God's grace, having a remarkable ministry to people uh, recovering from drug addiction. Um, you think of how people with special needs children, I'm thinking of some folks here who have ministry that has come out of the particular family situation in which they find themselves. God's grace uses whatever there is in our lives. And we're seeing that in the Bible today in the story of Joseph. Uh, here he is falsely accused. Do you think yeah. what good can come out of that? Put in prison. And yet he has a ministry that comes out of this injustice that he's faced that is quite remarkable. But of course, that directly takes us to the cross, doesn't it? Where the, the greatest evil, the greatest injustice becomes, in God's mercy, the means of the most marvelous grace as Christ is crucified and redemption comes to the world. So today we're looking at Genesis chapter 39 and the story of Joseph. So please join us if you can as we continue the message Trusted and Accused. Here's Pastor Colin. Now here's an interesting question and uh, I think all of the commentators have something to say on it and I wonder what you think. Did Potiphar believe his wife's story? What do you think? There's a number of no's there. I agree. Let me give you a number of reasons why I don't think, and uh, many commentators have written at length about this, I don't think he believed his wife's story. At the very least, he must have had great doubts. Here's the first reason. The first reason for thinking that is that Potiphar did not have Joseph killed. I mean, in that day, in that culture, if he had believed what his wife had said to him, that would surely have been the outcome. But Joseph was not killed. He was put in prison. And in this, surely, we can see the protecting hand of God on the life of Joseph, but we may also see Potiphar's doubt over his wife's story. Second reason for thinking that Potiphar did not believe his wife is that sometime later, if you look at chapter 40 and verse 4, um, you will see there that the king's cupbearer and the baker came also to be put in the prison beside Joseph. And then we're told, the captain of the guard, verse 4, appointed Joseph to be with them and to have charge over them is uh, what is conveyed there. Now, who was the captain of the guard? Well, we know from the last verse of chapter 37 that Potiphar himself was the captain of the guard. And so it seems quite clear from this verse that Potiphar still regarded Joseph with trust and had regard for his integrity and respect for him. Third, several commentators point out that when Potiphar's wife told her story The scripture says in verse 19 that Potiphar's anger was kindled. His anger was kindled. Very significantly, it does not say his anger was kindled against Joseph. It just says he was angry when she told this story. Now, put all of this together 
with the trust that Potiphar had in Joseph, the integrity that Joseph had shown unceasingly throughout his entire employment, the trust that had been between these men. And I think that it is reasonable to conclude that Potiphar was angry because his wife had put him in an impossible position. I mean, think about it. All the servants are watching. They're all on the side of Potiphar's wife. They're waiting to see what Potiphar's going to do. And now Potiphar's presented with this story. What is, what is he going to do? What will his life be if he sides with Joseph? His wife has put him in an impossible position. And now he is angry. And Potiphar's anger and his affection lead him away from the truth. And meditating on Potiphar, I'm thinking, this is like someone else in the Bible. This is awfully like Pontius Pilate. Seeds of disaffection have been sown in the crowd. Accusations have been made. People are saying, you are no friend of Caesar if you let this man go. And Jesus says to him, now, everyone, Pilate, who is on the side of truth, listens to me. And Pilate says, well, what is truth? Truth has to be sacrificed. Why? Because other interests have to be served. It's too costly to go with the truth. And friends, here's where this speaks to us. We like to think of ourselves as being fair, open-minded, you know, honest and balanced and all that good stuff. We go by the facts. Here's the fact. We are not neutral when it comes to God. We are not neutral. And the Bible lays this out. You can check it out, and I encourage you to do so if you're not familiar with this, in Romans in chapter 1, from verse 18 to the end uh, of the chapter. And here's the argument that Paul lays out there. It's simply this. There is enough light in the creation around us alone for every person on the planet to know that there is a living God who has great power. And somewhere deep within our hearts, we all know this. That's the argument that Paul lays out in Romans in chapter 1. But here's what we do. Romans 1.18, we suppress the truth. We push it down. We push it away. We exchange the truth of God for a lie. Why would we do that? Because if there really is a God of power, I'm going to have to find out what he requires of me, and that may put me in an uncomfortable position. I sense it could be costly. We're not neutral. we got skin in this game. See, isn't that what Pilate and what Potiphar are doing here? Suppressing the truth. And the Bible says that's what we do by nature, because like Potiphar, like Pilate, we don't like the position that the truth would put us in. Facing it would be very costly for us, indeed. And so we read in verse 20 that Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. I don't suppose Potiphar slept well that night or the night after or the night after that. Because he knows in his heart that he's been acting to protect himself and that he's been suppressing the truth. Does that speak to you? It's what we do by nature. 
It's very interesting to me that Joseph did not try to defend himself. Why didn't he say, Potiphar, you haven't heard my side of the story? You haven't heard the case for the defense? Why didn't he do that? Because he knew he did not have an honest judge. Potiphar was not seeking the truth. He was looking to find a way out of a difficult situation. And that, of course, was exactly the same for our Lord Jesus Christ. As a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth when the accusations were put to him. He did not answer a single word. Why? Because he didn't have an honest judge. And he knew it. Thank God, friends, that this world has a better judge than Potiphar or Pilate, right? Thank God for that. Think of the long list of people through the history of the Bible and then of the history of the world who have been falsely accused and wrongfully imprisoned. Joseph, Jeremiah, Daniel, John on the Isle of Patmos, Paul in, in Philippi and in Rome, Jesus in the house of Caiaphas. Think of the long lines of thousands on every continent of the world who throughout history have been falsely accused, unable to get a fair trial, wrongfully imprisoned. Thank God there will be a day of judgment when God, who knows the hearts of all people, knows the circumstance of every situation from whom nothing is ever hidden. All truth is open before him. He will be the judge. And there will be a day of vindication for those who have been falsely accused, for those who have been wrongfully imprisoned, if that has happened to you, you've lived under false accusation, there will be a day of vindication for you because God is the God of truth. And here is the problem for Potiphar's wife and for all who like her spread the lie. Here is the problem for Potiphar and for all who like him suppress the truth. One day we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And before him all hearts are open, and from him no secret is hid. Now you just think about that. There is the day when truth will be revealed. And you say to yourself, I dare not speak the lie, and I dare not suppress the truth. And if I have lied, and if I have made a false accusation, if I have pretended to virtue to the hurt of another person, I must confess. I must repent. I must seek forgiveness from God. And I must seek forgiveness from the one I have wronged. So, Potiphar's wife, spreading the lie. Potiphar, suppressing the truth. You're listening to Trusted and Accused, part of our series, Snapshots of a Godly Life. And if you miss any of our broadcasts, or if you want to go back and listen to one or other of them again, you can always do that online. Go to openthebible.org.uk. There you can stream directly from the website, or you can download an MP3 completely free. We're in chapter 39 of Genesis, and we're going to get back to the message now, Trusted and Accused. Here's Pastor Colin. Last cameo, Joseph. And I've called this one standing by faith. Standing by faith. Joseph has been in the pit before, of course, and now he is there again. 
only this time it is worse. Especially at the beginning, I already referred to chapter 40 and verse 4, where he begins to rise even within the world of the prison because of his integrity. But at the beginning, it was grim. Psalm 105 and verse 18 gives us a little additional piece of information on this time in Joseph's life. It says, his feet were hurt with fetters and his neck was put in a collar of iron. That's Psalm 105 verse 18. His feet were hurt with fetters and his neck was put in a collar of iron. So you picture Joseph. This is the lowest point of Joseph's life. He's gone from here to here. Now, what has been the lowest point of your life? You experienced something like this? God was blessing you and And things were going so well, your life was on the rise. And then you were cut down. You were working hard, and the reward you got was false things being said about you. People who you had thought were friends turned against you. God blessed you, and then what he had given was taken away. And suddenly you find yourself in a place of great darkness. Preparing this message and just thinking across the congregation and thinking of multiple stories of loss, painful loss among us today. Sudden loss of health. Sudden loss of a loved one. Sudden loss in regards to your career and your working life. The position that God had given to you. And this story speaks right into our lives. The sudden loss of that which God himself had given and the pain of it. And many of you are immediately recognizing that, oh yes, I can see how that speaks to me. And if you don't know it, then perhaps one day you will. I want you to notice something very striking as the scripture gives us the lowest point of Joseph's life. It doesn't say a single thing about what he felt. Now, that to me is absolutely astonishing because, of course, the Psalms are absolutely full of what believers who have experienced loss have felt. All our questions and all of our feelings and and all of that is in the Scripture. Why? Because it's really, really important. I have absolutely no doubt, friends, that Joseph was absolutely gutted. I'm in the pain of this kind of loss. How would you feel? I've no doubt that Joseph must have asked questions. I mean, Jesus on the cross says, why? Then surely Joseph in the prison and you and me in our situations of real struggle when we come to our darkest days, we're going to be asking all these questions. Uh, Why God and why this injustice in this world if you are just? And how long until I'm going to be delivered from this? And yet, the Holy Spirit passes over all of that, whatever it might have been for Joseph in the prison, does not record a single word about it. I'm looking at that and saying, why? Why is what I would expect to be there not there? 
And I can only come to this conclusion that it was because God in his great kindness and providence wants here to direct our attention to something else, which is the really big question, how did Joseph get through? How in the world did he survive this lowest point of his life? And that God has told us. Look at what it says. He got through because of God's presence. It's there multiple times. Joseph knew that God was with him. Verse 21, the Lord was with Joseph. Verse 21, the Lord showed him steadfast love. Verse 23, in case we haven't got it, the Lord was with him. God went to prison with Joseph. One writer, um, George Lawson, has this beautiful comment. He says, don't think that the presence of God with his people is limited to churches. His presence has often been manifestly seen when he was with them in prisons, in caves, in dens, on gibbets, and in fiery furnaces. The presence of God was with him at the lowest point of his life. And the presence of God is with you at the lowest point of your life. That's what you need to hold on to. That's what the Bible tells you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And I will hold you at the lowest point of your life. And then not only did he have God's presence, he had God's wonderful promise. Remember, Joseph had been given the dream. It had come to him. Remember, their first message in the series, it came to him with all the force of the word of God. God had revealed the future to Joseph. And God has revealed the future, the ultimate outcome to us and to all his people in the scriptures. So when this man comes to the lowest point of his life, he knows it cannot end here. It does not end here. So Joseph can say there in the pit, God is with me here and it does not end here. I have hope because I am looking to God and to see what he is yet to do in regards to fulfilling the promise that he has given to me. And then there's one more thing that's just uh, wonderful in these last verses here. And it is the way in which Joseph moves into the purpose of God even at this lowest point of his life. Verse 21, the Lord was with Joseph, gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. The keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Now, that language is exactly a mirror of what was said when Joseph came into Potiphar's house. See, the blessing of God is on this man. So wherever he goes, there's a sense in which the blessing of God comes with him. He comes into Potiphar's house, and the blessing comes on Potiphar's house. He gets into the prison, and what happens? There's blessing that's happening in the prison. Matthew Henry says, a good man will do good wherever he is. That's really helpful. A good man a good woman, will do good wherever he or she is, whether at the high point of life or whether at the lowest point of life. 
And here's the principle on which Joseph is evidently working. If God brings me to the lowest place, let me bring his blessing to others who will come there. If God brings me to a place of sorrow, then through my tears, let me seek to bring his blessing to others who sorrow. If God brings me to a place of loss, let me use this experience to bring blessing to others who also experience loss. If God allows me to suffer because of the injustice of a false accusation, let me be a means of bringing his blessing to others who suffer the injustice of living under false accusation. And he has ministry in the prison at the lowest point of his life. The hardest thing in your life may be the door that opens to your most significant ministry. Always have your eyes open to that. A good person will do good wherever he or she is. So put your story in here. Put your name in here. In the story of Joseph. You worked hard. You've been blessed by God. You've lived with integrity. You've sought to follow him. But then in some way you've been cut down. Your life changed. It happened so quickly. It took your breath away. But here's what God's word has for you today. God is with you. His promises stand firm. And he has a purpose for you even in this suffering and this loss. Christian brother, sister, gain strength from this. No lie. No injustice can ever take the presence of God away from you. And no loss, no loss can ever thwart the fulfillment of his loving purpose for your life. God's promise stands firm. His great purpose for you and through you will be accomplished. And all that he has pledged to you, it is yes and amen because of Christ Jesus. Pastor Colin Smith wrapping up our message, Trusted and Accused, part of Snapshots of a Godly Life. And if you miss any of the broadcasts or if you want to listen to any of them again, you can always find them on our website, openthebible.org.uk. We're able to bring you these messages because of your support, and we'd like to thank you for that. If you're able to commit to a regular donation of £5 or more, we'd like to thank you by sending you a copy of a book. It was written many years ago, but you may not have had a chance to read it. It's entitled Holiness by J.C. Ryle. Colin, who is J.C. Ryle, and why would we want to read him? Well, John Charles Ryle was a bishop in the Church of England in the 19th century. He was clearly committed to the authority of Scripture, and his writings are still widely read today and wonderfully valuable because not only is he clear in his convictions from the Word of God, he's wonderfully clear in the way that he writes. And I find him a joy to read. I have found him helpful for years. He's one of the authors I keep going back to and deriving benefit from. And one of the things that he makes especially clear in this book, Holiness, is 
he points out that for many believers, getting confused between justification, which is God accepting us, and sanctification, which is God changing us, is one of the greatest reasons why Christians become disturbed and lose their peace. And he says something very wonderful. Let me give you a a sample of Ryle here. He says, a true Christian is one who has not only peace of conscience, but war within. He may be known by his warfare as well as his peace. Now, you read that and you say, oh, that's exactly what I experience. I have peace with God on the one hand, and yet I have a struggle going on in my soul on the other. And actually, that's normal, authentic Christian experience. It's that kind of direct clarity that opens the Scripture and applies it to experience that has made Bishop Ryle such a wonderful and helpful author for generations. And I'm just delighted that we're able to make his best-known book, Holiness, available for you. We want to send you a copy of J.C. Ryle's book, Holiness, as a way of saying thank you for supporting the work of Open the Bible. If you're able to make a donation of £5 each month or more, you can find out details of this offer on our website, openthebible.org.uk. And starting new this month on Open the Bible, you can hear Pastor Colin Smith's daily devotional messages read by Sue McLeish every day on Open the Bible. For Open the Bible and Pastor Colin Smith, I'm David Pick. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to being with you again next time. Open the Bible is a listener-supported production. If you're a Christian, you don't need to worry about interpreting your dreams. Find out why next time on Open the Bible.